Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a surprise emergency podcast edition of Real Hawk Talk. I'm Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and joined with all the fellas, um, Evan Hill at Evan and SEA on Twitter, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, and Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter, all pulled from other activities by the one piece of news that could accomplish that. No, it's not that Josh Gordon has been reinstated. Uh, we've already done that. It didn't work out so well. Are they bringing uh, snacks back? <laughs> snacks has not been re-signed. No, nope. uh, hmm. not that either. Um, Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator. It has been reported that the Seattle Seahawks have hired Shane Waldron, uh, if I got that pronunciation right. Uh, of the Los Angeles Rams, previously their passing game coordinator, and I believe their assistant head coach as well. We'll have to double check on that. But this is essentially Sean McVay's right-hand person. We'll break down his background. We'll break down those pieces. We are going to have our very favorite Joe fan join us here in a few minutes um, to get his impressions as well. Before he does, uh, let's get some reactions, fellas. Um, you know, I, I have to start with Evan Hill. Uh, Evan, you've basically wanted to have Sean McVay's babies since I mean, he's been in the NFL. You now have almost literally one of his babies. How do you I, feel about this? I, for one, come out of this uh, event with a ton more respect for Pete Carroll. And I'll tell you why. His humility and willingness to pluck a coach from the NFC West's best coaching staff and best head coach is admirable. It's admirable. 
Uh, but but on but on a serious note, like the immediate gut reaction is holy shit. Uh, number one, he's a passing game coordinator. Number two, what he's done in 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 making Jared Goff look like at times, you know, an elite quarterback, specifically against the Seattle Seahawks, is is impressive. I mean, guys, we've been talking about this for the last three to four years. Um, every time the Seahawks play the Rams, the receivers are running wide open with five to six yards of separation. The one, the one instance where this didn't happen was like the second, the second matchup of this year where the Seattle's defense finally figured it out. But I, I don't, I don't know how you can't be excited about this pick. Um, if I sound suppressed in my emotions right now, it's because my wife is asleep. So I'm trying to not wake her up and piss her off. But I, I, I don't know how you can't be excited about this pick. Um, highly respected coordinator, you know, this is exciting. This is this was this is this doesn't feel like it was just a peep pick. This this was a compromise. This was a, a a thorough decision in I think candidacy pool, and I think you have to be stoked with the results. I'm very tempted to share what you texted me, but I won't do that. It's no, just- well, what did I say? What did I say, Brian? You said you were you said you were very excited in a uh, sexually explicit kind of way. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you were one of the first. So, by the way, Derek uh, was the one who broke the news within our pod group and uh, within the Hawk Blogger crew. So thanks to Derek. He was like, "Where is everybody?" Uh, and and Jeff, you were one of the first people to react, and you were pretty darn excited. Why are you excited? Well, what about this hire got you excited? Um, I was so skeptical about this whole process, and the names we started to hear at the beginning were Anthony Lynn and Pete's old running back coach, and the thing that I just couldn't—I've been very critical in the past of just Pete's ability to identify offensive coaches. A lot of the best organizations in the NFL, like the Chiefs, for example, their organization set up that say if the enemy leaves, they have a natural successor in their system. The Bills have that as well. The Seahawks have not done that. Brian's hammered for years about Carl Smith being the quarterback coach. We were all terrified if they made an internal hire, which says a lot about how they built their organization. Like the Chiefs have Mike Kafka sitting there. The Bills have Ken Dorsey sitting there. The Rams had Waldron sitting there after LaFleur left. Um, and I thought that Pete would get the typical Pete guy. And then the names that came out and on Sunday, when it came out that they were looking at Dorsey and they were looking at Waldron, I started to get excited. And I still, the back of my mind, I was worried that Pete was going to do Pete things and bring in his old running back coach, Kirby Wilson or whoever that guy was. And the fact that they, Pete identified a young offensive coach that thinks differently than he does to me, that's so encouraging. And I really think it does give hope to this franchise because they, uh, you guys are making me laugh. But yeah, I think I think this is a very encouraging hire. And the fact that Pete went, took a long process, talked to a lot of different people and came up with a different person he's typically hired that's been the retread. I think that's really encouraging. You know, Jeff, we have to apologize for... Yeah, you guys totally... It's kind of like 4D chess going on here. We've got the podcast. We've got the chat going on in uh, YouTube. We've got chat on Twitter. We've got chat in Slack. Uh, <laughs> and we've got chat within, you know, the Zoom session here. So so lots of different discussions. I feel like this always happens to me. Like you, you got hit in the face with a microphone when I was talking once. 
<laughs> uh, but no, it's good. I mean, Jeff, you've been pretty, you've been pretty discouraged about some of the stuff going on around the team. And so it's good to hear some of your, your enthusiasm for the hire. Nathan, you are always one of the most enthusiastic and positive people on this show, especially about anything related to, to coaching. So um, I'm sure it comes easy to you to be excited about this hire, but ha- honestly, how do you feel? Like, what, what what's your reaction? Um, what's your reaction when you heard the rumor of Shane Waldron? And then what's your reaction when you heard that that was the decision? Yeah, so... Uh... <clears throat> I kind of have a lot of stuff right now. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure there's some weirdos out there that are convinced that Waldron is like terrible or something and they're fools, not the hire, or I don't know, Lombardi or Dorsey or some random, they should have promoted Nate Carroll. Like, <laughs> look, if you have a super strong opinion about this hire, you're just fooling yourself. Like nobody knows what Shane Waldron is or can be. And so like from that perspective, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of mystery here. Right. But I think if you're a little bit objective about the process and everything, like I I don't know what you could be upset about. Right. I mean, they talked to a ton of people. Um, You know, they, uh, they talked to former head coaches. They talked to young guys. They talked to retreads. Like they clearly kind of did their homework on this. Um, They found a passing game coordinator, but they found him from a team that has um, also typically ran the ball really well. And they seem to kind of, um, I think that McVay, you know, for all the credits he gets for as an offensive coach, and he obviously deserves a lot of it. I think he kind of builds from the run game up. And so there's some, for some people, they're going to like that too. So, um, you know, who knows? We'll see what Waldron can do. I think that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about it, but ultimately no one really knows. But I just don't really have any, I don't know how anyone could criticize the process here. It seems like they went about it in a really smart way and hired a young guy that has upside from a good offensive team. Like it's all just, it's all good. I too am impressed with his 2011 stint with the Buckingham Brown and Nichols school football and those, team. Those, look, you're joking. No, no, that's those, not, no, that's not a joke. Those like, wide receivers on the 2012 UMass team were lights out. <laughs> I have to like the internet's amazing news broke i went to the wikipedia page because i'll be honest i don't know anything about shane waldron don't i mean i've, I've never done dig, dug into him literally minutes after the news broke it already said you know seahawks offensive coordinator it's amazing how fast that happens but uh yeah you said he's young he's 41 for people that don't know i want to give my reactions but before i do i just want to go through a little bit of his background that people that haven't had a chance to look it up because there's some interesting things that jumped out to me when i did start looking into him um one is one of his first jobs coaching in the nfl was for the patriots with tom brady and bill belichick he started in 2008 and 2009 he was an offensive quality control coach bill belichick is no joke when it comes to selecting who he's going to bring in to do any role you know, within the organization. So the Especially fact that, job. yeah. So the fact that he broke in there, I think says a lot. Um, and, you know, he, he then went for a little bit of a, a sojourn into college football for like five years, you know, figuring out his way there, but he's had, he's had, you know, experience across a different bunch of different things. He then got hired back into the NFL by Sean McVay in Washington when they were back, when they were the Redskins, um, in 2016, he was the offensive quality control coach. So 
Um, he then went with McVay to the Rams in 2017. He was the tight ends coach. Uh, he became the passing game coordinator in 2018, which is the year that they really uh, went crazy offensively. Um, he was the passing game coordinator and the quarterbacks coach in 2019 and the passing game coordinator in this past year. Um, it does not say that he is also the assistant uh, head coach, um, but I, I could have sworn I read that somewhere. So in any event, um, he's been with Sean McVay for a long time. He certainly understands McVay's offense. He's been involved with it for, you know, five, six years at this point. And the reason I was excited, guys, well, even like, I, I didn't know the name, but I just think we talked about during the season, forget even before Schottenhammer got fired. I said, the Rams offense is a really good fit, I think, for the combination of Pete and Russ. Like, as much as we give each other shit about this, the Rams run the ball a lot, right? Like, more than maybe that a lot of folks would want them to, but they, they definitely run the ball a fair amount, but they also have really clever movement game off of that for the pass. And they scheme open a lot of really open players. And I just think Russ is at his best in a bootleg style offense and it takes advantage of what he does really well. And when Russ gets outside the pocket, it's not that he's only a, a scrambler. That's not what I'm saying. I think that's crap. But I think it re it reduces some of his negative tendencies. Uh, when he's outside the pocket, I see him mo much more willing to throw the ball out of bounds instead of take a sack. I see him much more willing to just run for a couple of yards um, and, and hold on to the ball. I see him much more de decisive about getting rid of the ball. And he's always accurate when he's on the run. So I, I just see him as really good in those moments. And if, you know, we we've all joked, but if you had Russell Wilson running Sean McVay's offense, I think it would be a lot better. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's a stretch. So I, I'm just excited because I think it's a perfect fusion between, um, or it can be a perfect fusion between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And, you know, you ran through his whole uh, resume there, but I think you left off maybe the most important part of that resume that probably drew Pete to Waldron in the first place. What's that? So, uh, <clears throat> Waldron went to college at Tufts uh, and Tufts, the Tufts Jumbos as the football team. Uh, do you know, do you know when Tufts played their first football game? No. In school history on June 4th, 1875, they played Harvard and they won that game one to zero. And I think Pete saw that and was like, I have to have, that's the kind of lineage, the low scoring, <laughs> The close cool. game, the grit grind. I need somebody out of that mold who's not afraid to run the ball, who's not afraid to punt on fourth down, who's not afraid to win a game one nothing. And he's like, hire him. We're doing it. I almost built my one. I think that was that was the the longest I could have expected you guys to go between being excited <laughs> and, and 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 complimenting Pete Carroll and finding a way to, to troll well, him for this hire. Can can I can I go off of one jump? Let me jump in real quick here. Yeah. And, and Brian, you spoke on it briefly, but there's one thing that really excites me about Shane Waldron, and and I know it's a sort of a microcosm of 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 the offensive play as a whole, but like. 
how he has used Jared Goff and, you know, sort of artificially moved the pocket in that offense throughout the years has been really interesting because it's something we could sort of complained about uh, towards the end of this year is, you know, Russell was really missing the middle of the field. There was, you know, there's concern that he literally could not see over the offensive line. Um, specifically the guards there's you know even in the second half of the year the offensive line started to 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 decline in sort of a big way so I think one of the most interesting ways or one of the things I'm going to be paying the most attention to in this new offense is um, kind of like you said but it's but it's how they artificially impact that pocket and and get Russell out in space and, and potentially open up the offense from there so I I just have like these every every time we play the Rams I feel like I have these like bring it images burned in my brain of like Jared Goff, who's not like a crazy mobile quarterback, but like, you know, rolling out and play action or, or things of that nature. So um, it's exciting. This is exciting guys. I think uh, there re- there's reason to be optimistic about this. Um, I want to ask you guys where, where this ranks relative to the possibilities of OCs. So we all know there's a long list uh, that, that were mentioned all the way from Doug Peterson to, you know, um, Anthony Lynn and Shane Lichen, or I can't remember what his name was, uh, and Pep Hamilton and uh, Joe Lombardi and Ken Dorsey. And I mean, Kafka wasn't really ever available, but where where does Waldron rank in what you would have your, your stack ranking of where you would have wanted uh, Seahawks to hire for, for this, for this position, Nathan, maybe you can go first. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's got to be up there towards the top. I mean, I, I really, you know, like I, I would have had a stronger opinion about someone like Doug Peterson or Adam Gase or something like that, or something that we know better. Right. So I really do think that, you know, all these names that we're throwing about and that some people are going to get passionate about. I mean, I, I really don't think we have a great idea about just how good they're going to be. Right. Um, but just in terms of like conceptually, like, what do I think of him? I, he's got to be towards the top. Um, I, you know, I was joking about it earlier. I mean, they did the Rams were, were happy to run. Um, and I like that they did it effectively, but they, they did run quite a bit. Um, they, you know, McVay is one of the least aggressive coaches on fourth down. Um so there's a little bit of, I don't know, concern there for me, but like, I think that's a question mark, you know, how will Waldron, you know, be in those situations, but like, um, that's just small stuff, really. Um, he's his own person and, you know, he's still, he, he doesn't even get to control like force down stuff, right. Even as an OC. So, um, I, I think I am as optimistic for him as I would have been for just about anybody. So yeah, go ahead. Evan. I just want to jump in here real quick. There's, this sort of narrative that they love to run the football. And I, and I don't think that's incorrect, but just to put some stats behind what we're talking, they were still top 10 in um, neutral early down passing rate in 2020. So they were number 10 right on the dot. So they add to that. Why do you think they're running the ball so much? Sure. It's because they don't trust their quarterback. Yeah. You had, I don't think that's a pure schematic philosophical thing. I think if when Lafleur, who came from there went to green Bay, like he's not McVay, they're, they're different. So I think the running is a big part of just protecting what they think is a flaw in their team. And you see all the rumors coming out of the Rams of how they feel about golf. 
Yeah, Jeff, I'm curious if there's anybody that you would have been more excited to to hear was the hire. That was possible or? Yeah, realistic. Well, I think obviously someone with an experienced play calling in the NFL would probably, like Doug Peterson would probably excite me a little bit more. Just maybe someone who can have more like power in the building, kind of push back on Pete a little more. And Doug's been really aggressive on fourth down. So he probably would have been like the dream hire. But philosophically, him and Pete are a really weird match. I think this is kind of what I was saying to you guys a couple of weeks ago that typically OCs, unless you hire a retread, are quarterback coaches who have not called plays before. And when Andy Reid started calling plays in Philadelphia, he was hired as a quarterback coach from Green Bay who had never been an offensive coordinator before. These are typically what an offensive coordinator and the up-and-coming guys, this is where they come from. So I didn't want to see a coach who had a history of a running back background like Anthony Lynn or someone who's worked with quarterbacks, who's worked in passing games. To me, that was what I wanted. I wanted a guy who's an up-and-comer who had fresh ideas because – so for me, this kind of fits all of the qualities that I was looking for because unless you had to hire an experienced play caller, I don't see him not having play calling experience as a negative per se. I think that's the next step for a lot of young coaches, and that's how you learn. And if you wanted a Joe Lombardi, who was a terrible offensive coordinator in Detroit, sure. But I think you need a guy who's creative, who has his own ideas, who's trying to make his name. I think that's a very encouraging hire. Yeah. Well, did you guys see Joe Lombardi's quotes? I mean, exactly. exactly. I think if, if Joe Lombardi had been the hire, there would have been a lot of Seahawks fans cringing, listening to his, his press conference. I mean, that guy, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh evan they can't really see other than a baby's ass which is making this like child porn um maybe not the best background (laughs) (laughs) what am i doing (laughs) uh it's a pretty funny meme folks uh i'm sure evan will share it on his timeline on twitter if you want to check it out but um i was i was interested in ken dorsey i mean there's a lot of things about that I have questions about whether Ken Dorsey was ever a real option. Like seems like there's some other things he might be interested in. Like he's been an East coast guy. Um, maybe he wasn't even truly, uh, truly available to them. But other than that, this guy was number two for me. Like, um, so I'm just, I'm thrilled. Um, I'm thrilled. And we'll find out. We don't know. I, I don't know anything about his personality, but, there's potential that he can be groomed as the the future head coach. Don't know. But like, if he's been working for Sean McVay, as much as I give crap, um, to a bunch of things, the guy is as smart as any coach in the NFL. And if he's invested in this guy, there's reason to believe that he, he might have a uh, upside beyond <clears throat> even just being an OC. All right. I gotta, I gotta get Joe on here. So, uh, Evan, Oh boy, why do why do I what do I fear what's about to come out of your mouth? What do you think this hire does for Russell Wilson? It's a really big question. I, I think um you know I, I think the whole way they sort of transformed this process fundamentally and, and gave Russell a voice, at least a voice into 
you know, a hiring decision, at least into interviews. Um, this whole process is fundamentally different than the process we went through, you know, three, four years ago with Brian Schoenheimer. We've talked about this many times, like it's fundamentally different. They didn't rush to hire a person. They have many different interviews, talk to a ton of different people. I think this hire gives Russell Wilson the confidence to execute at the next level. And I know that sounds very sort of simplistic and obvious and dumb, but I think Russell is approaching that time of his career where it's sort of make or break. I mean, he's entering the prime of his career. He's in the prime of his career. Um, these years will not last forever. That's the reality. And this franchise's window with Russell Wilson will not last forever. So I think this gives hopefully confidence in, in, in this offense's ability to take it to the next level. But um, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know, this might end up being a bad hire. It could very well end up being a bad hire in a couple of years, but it's hard not to be thrilled with how they went about this hiring process, which I think says a lot. Jeff or Nathan, either of you guys have a strong point of view. Do you, do you know, based on what you've seen in the Rams offense over the past few years, how they run it, who they feature, the types of players they feature, what do you think the potential implications are to personnel um, on the team? Like, do you think Tyler Lockett's a good fit for it or DK Metcalf? Like DK Metcalf seems pretty different than the types of players that they've had on that team. There's a lot of smaller, you know, jitterbuggy kind of guys, tight ends play a role. Like what, what do you think's going to potentially impact the, the guys that the Seahawks have on offense? I'll, I'll start. It's kind of tricky because for one, because he worked on McVay's staff and McVay's offense doesn't mean that's his offense. But if we assume the offense is the same, one of the guys who had good success in the offense was Brandon Cooks. I think you can see Brandon Cooks and Tyler Lockett having a very similar kind of rule. But they are, their receivers have been more precise route runners. Robert Woods is probably the best route runner in the NFL. And Cooper Cup is a fantastic route runner. They've never had a player like DK Metcalf so I think tight ends might be prioritized. The biggest question, if they're bringing purely the Rams scheme, is the offensive line. Because they run wide zone, they use smaller offensive linemen, and they have not used the Mike Solari-style offensive line. So I think that, personnel-wise, is the biggest question. of Are they going to bring in the quicker zone-running offensive linemen, or are they going to stick with the, the bigger, mauler? I think that's the most interesting. Look who it is. Oh, Look at the fresh face, Joseph fan. He looks so clean. Oh I my mean, gosh. This guy, this guy was know. just like, he was, he was. I forgot the facial hair requirements of being on the show. <laughs> it, he actually went and took a shower before. He wanted to make sure he was, he was at his best for the show. Dude, it's good to see you, man. How, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, nothing like, uh. You know, some news dropping at what nine o'clock, eight thirty on a what day is today? Tuesday. 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 Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, solid man. Um, what's the consensus? What's the vibe? How does everyone feel about it? Give me the give me the temperature it. of the room. I know I'm walking into. We all hate it. Super negative. Always yeah. terrible. No, we love it. We're we're pretty stoked about it. I mean, I, I told Brian this earlier, but Pete Carroll's humility and willingness to pluck a quarterback off. You know, Sean McVay, the best head coach in the NFC West coaching staff. It's impressive. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think at this point, the only game you can win is the, the battle of perception. 
you know, and I mean, there, there weren't many hires that you would look at and say the public will by and large buy into this guy. Um, and certainly hiring from within was never going to go over well. They were Adam Gase was never going to go over well. Um, but I think they hired a guy, I mean, again, given where he's coming from, um, success they've had there with that offense, um, you know, but by and large, until we know what true system this guy is trying to implement, how much is his own, how much is just what he learned from Sean McVay, how much is Pete Carroll saying, hey, here's the framework you build out from within the framework, you know, just these, you know, or just these are the philosophies we'd like to live by. But other than that, I mean, you can build it as you want. Um, we won't really know. And we'll try to figure out the answers of this and, you know, beforehand, but till September rolls around, it's going to be a big question mark, you know. I think what, you know, my big takeaway is I, I think it's, it's fair to assume that given how long the process was that, you know, Russell Wilson was a part of it as he expected to be, um, you know, and then hoped to be and said it was super significant uh, to steal his words that he was a part of it. I think it's probably fair to assume that he was part of it um, and was a part of this search and whether Shane Waldron was his top guy or not, I think it's probably a safe bet that he talked to Shane Waldron before this decision was made. And so um, I think those are different things that Seahawks fans can take solace in. Well, that is the voice of Joe Fan, uh, Joe underscore Fan with two N's uh, at NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, for our money on this show, the best on the beat. Um, although we have a lot of favorites, uh, Joe. Joe is a guy that we a lot of good picks. He uh, he asks the questions no one else will, and uh, because of that, he's not even allowed to ask questions sometimes. But uh, Joe, I mean, you mentioned the public reaction. Compare and contrast if they had announced Kirby Wilson, a running back, a running back coach, and Shane Waldron. Like, how do you think the fan base would have reacted to 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 that kind? Of, or or Adam Gase? You know, those two names. If those had come out as opposed to Shane Waldron, how do you think? How do you think the fan base would have reacted? I think. The issue is this, is, is with how the last few seasons have gone, and especially how they've ended, this front office, this team, this coaching staff, Pete Carroll in particular, has, has really lost any benefit of the doubt, period. And you're going you're gonna to see that with, uh, there's a higher degree of skepticism with every hire on the coaching staff, with every draft pick in the draft, with every free agency decision, um, to where it's going to be hard for them to win the perception battle. That's just the reality of it. Um, but I do think, and, and there's still going to be plenty of people who always never called plays. Oh, Sean Mc, you know, Jared Goff's terrible. And there was the Rams offense, even that good. And Bill Belichick showed that Sean McVay's offense isn't even that good. It's like, it's, it's not going to be hard to find a hole to poke in this hire if that's the route you want to go. But um, I do think this was as good as they could have done from the perception standpoint. And this isn't just this higher. Like I said, this is going to last all off season and it's a long NFL off season, like a full seven months where every free agent dollar spent is going to be, Oh, I'm sure they screwed that one up. Oh, this guy's probably going to get hurt that they drafted in the, in the second round. Oh, Jamal Adams trade was still terrible and they still haven't signed him and they're not going to sign him. And, you know, it, and it's hard to argue with that because there have been so many twists and turns to where they deservedly lost the benefit of the doubt. But I think, you know, it's fair to look at this hire in a vacuum and say, this could work. So, uh, Joe, one of the things that I remember distinctly, and I can't remember who asked the question in a presser to Pete, 
but it was asked how he goes about evaluating assistant coaches. This is well before anyone was let go. It was like last third of the season. And I was on a jog listening to this and was just floored at how bad I thought Pete's answer was. He didn't have any process for how he did it. Maybe he was caught off guard by the question. He talked about how he used to just talk to people he knew. Carl Smith was a guy that knew a lot of people. And so they would talk, but it seemed very familial and it did not seem very process oriented or principle oriented, which Pete actually does have philosophies and principles, but it didn't seem like he had them around this. This seemed like a very different approach. This was not hiring a retread former Pete Carroll guy from somewhere else. And, you know, I'm kind of curious, you know, you're plugged in um, around different parts of the NFL. What's, what have you heard, if anything, about what, Shane Waldron uh, is or what Seahawks fans can expect from him. What, what have you heard about Sean McVay's assistant coaches and their quality? And, and what's your assessment of, of where, where Seahawks fans should have expectations about Shane Waldron? Well, it's pretty evident how much that coaching staff has been coveted from um, uh, Zach Taylor uh, last year, to, I mean, what, it's like three or four coaches off that roster, that coaching staff now that have been cherry-picked um, to where Sean McVay's got a lot of work to do to fill up that coaching staff now. Um, you know, I just think there's a high degree of intellect and ingenuity and creativity that stems from that building, and that's always been the, the, the Sean McVay calling card. And, you know, I think Seahawks fans should hope that that's what they're getting at least to a degree from Shane Waldron. And, um, you know, I think there's going to always be an element of – verticality to Russell Wilson's game and what Pete Carroll wants to do. But what they struggled so mightily with was the short and intermediate stuff, the on schedule. Um, And I think beyond that, the creativity in the running game where, okay, it's one thing to want to run the football, but do you have a diverse, um, you know, different run looks that you can throw at a defense to where it is successful. It's not just running the ball for the sake of running the football. And so much of Sean McVay's offense is horizontal rather than vertical and getting guys in space and the window dressing and the movements. Um, And that's something the Seahawks sorely lacked. And so I think you can look at what Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Pete Carroll's, their just inherent philosophies in regards to the passing game, bring to the table. That's not going anywhere, but who can supplement the rest of it? And there's no reason why Waldron can't be a guy who fits the bill in that regard. Yeah, I'll jump in here, Joe. Um, I know everyone's down. At the, I know everyone's down at the Senior Bowl uh, this week, and I don't know when uh, Waldron will be officially hired, but you'll probably get an avail with him soon. What's the one question you're going to want to ask him? Man, that's good. That's a good question. Um, will I, you I let Russell? cook yeah don't no, i'll that. leave that for you <laughs> hold on first question when Not you let evan call. influence you at all you were naming all the bad things seahawks fans say were you just reciting evan's timeline when what <laughs> oh you were just like naming all like the negative things people can say <laughs> um here's my my question would probably be and I, I would want to go towards the end because I would hope that other people would ask about Russell Wilson's involvement. Cause those are things I want to know. What was it like chatting with Russell Wilson? what did you glean from him? What do you 
look at his game and, and see as a quarterback who can execute a short intermediate passing game to where he was unable to um, for so much of the 2020 season. Um, those are things I'm curious about. I think the one question, um, and this is one I could, you could get a, just a nothing burger answer and it could be worthless, which is why I would want to go to the end and make sure that those boxes are checked. Cause those are stuff that you need to know from the guy. Um, you know, also like what has Pete Carroll told you in terms of what the philosophies are, the framework, how much freedom are you going to have those sorts of things. Um, but to me, I think we all talk so much about creativity and ingenuity and um, wrinkles and this and that and predictability. And that was always one of the big, um, you know, parts of Brian Schottenheimer's offense to where, um, you know, people said it was too predictable and people knew it was coming. And I think you look at the Rams game and man, a case in point, I mean, I think that's pretty fair criticism of that loss in the wildcard round, but um, I would ask him, is that a fair critique? Like, are those just like, are those, are those words an oversimplification or are those fair expectations of an offensive coordinator? I think that's, I would find an eloquent way to word that, but um, my curiosity, you know, if, if, if you were told Shane Waldron that, Hey, your expectation for you is to be creative. Um, is that an oversimplification of your job or is that a job requirement? Well, I've got the question for you to ask if you want to be blackballed in your first press conference with him, but I, I, I honestly want to know the answer. And, and I, but I think we all would say that even Pete would say that the Seahawks did not adapt well enough on offense. Um, in the and he half. has said that. Yeah. He said that. So to me, one of the biggest questions you kind of are touching on with the creativity, but like how, you know, how do you plan, you know, how do you plan an offense that can be multiple and adapt to uh, what a defense is doing both over the course of a season, you know, like a starting pitcher that goes through the first three, you know, first time through the lineup, the second time through the lineup, the third time, right? Like how do you adjust and how do you do it within a game? And part of it's about the Seahawks, but part of it's like you mentioned the Rams didn't exactly show that ability either. I mean, I wouldn't, that's the part that would get you blackballed and you don't need to put it in there. But like Bill Belichick absolutely shut them down in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Rams offense has actually, from a scoring perspective, dropped each of the last three years. And uh, the last half of this season, the Rams offense really struggled. And what's there's some people out there that think that Sean McVay is kind of a system OC that once you kind of get it figured out, there's not, you know, there's not an adjustment to it. And maybe that's just because Jerry Goff limits what they can do. That would be a, hopefully the best answer. But um, I don't know that you can look at Sean McVay and say, Hey, there's a guy that has clearly adapted his offense in game over the course of a season, over the course of multiple years to be effective. So I, I think that's a, that's the one I'm really going to be watching myself. I want to see evidence that, that Shane Waldron can be that guy. Um, Cause it's, it's not going to be Pete that does that. Yeah. I don't have much to add. I agree with you. I think it's easy to point to Jared Goff there and they hitched their star to the wrong quarterback in terms of investment. And um, I mean, I think they're, you know, look at what Les needs quotes were today of like, Oh, is he the quarterback today? Yeah there you go, you know, and not committing strongly to him at all. I think there's a lot of regret in that building that they gave him that money, 
you know, yeah, they had the perfect system in place for them and the elite defense and all these weapons. And then all of a sudden now everything's too expensive to where they're asking more of Jared Goff that he's not able to deliver. So um, yeah, I agree with you. That's all fair. I get, and this is, this is what the, you know, it makes for fun conversation, but you know, the off season gets long and we're going to, I mean, we really won't know anything until September. And so it's fun to chat about and it's fun. You know, I even like, I wrote the quick thing of like, Hey, this is happening. Um, I think like, what else, what else do you really say? I mean, this guy's never called plays before. He's more of a mystery than not. So you just have to judge his pedigree. There's a lot of faith involved in terms of how, what lens you're going to, to look at this through. Um, and if you choose to be a pessimist about it, you're going to be free to be a pessimist about it for seven months. There's going to be nothing that anything can be shown to you that will, you know, invalidate your skepticism. And the same goes the other way around. So um, again, all we can talk about is perception. And, and so far, I, I think, you know, the fact that they hired from outside the organization, step one, I think was massive. Um, and then step two, I think they, they could have done a lot worse than Shane Waldron. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Evan. Joe, I've got a question for you. And, may, and maybe the, the answer to this is a simple one, and, and it might be just no, but do you think this hire impacts the Chris Carson extension or, or re-signing talks at all? Or, or do you think he's truly gone? I don't think it impacts it. I think if he's coming back, he's coming back. If he's not, he's not. I, I don't think this is like the the, the moving the needle one way or another, the, the final grain of rice that, that tips any scale either way. Um, my gut says that, that he is gone. Um, my gut says that both him and Shaq Griffin are gone unless their markets are lower than what both players expect them to be. Um, you know, which is why you can't rule them out from coming back altogether. I mean, you know, if Shaq Griffin thinks he's about to get 15 a year. I don't think the Seahawks are going to pay 15 a year. If he ends up only being able to get, eight to 11 Seahawks might pay eight to 11. And then, then all of a sudden they feel like they're getting a value and he comes back to where, you know, he will say he wanted to be, but the reason why he's coming back is because his market was lower than what it was. Not because the Seahawks made sure they got into any sort of bidding war and, and, and got him back. So I don't think this has any impact on Carson. Um, you know, the, the gut feeling I have on him hasn't changed um, given this news, but, um, now again, you look at the other shoes that have to drop and next up, okay, Jamal Adams, when's he going to get signed? How's that going to go? How long is that going to go on? And you go down the checklist and the to-do list of, of what's to come this off season. Yeah. I mean, the reason the context behind the question is really, you know, Pete Carroll's one of the first things he stated on that seven ten interview after the season was we want to run the ball more effectively next year. And obviously Chris Carson was their most talented running back that they've had for several years. All of a sudden the running back position is sort of a question mark. And this is coming from a guy who owns a Rashad Penny Jersey in in very embarrassing format. So yeah, I I just think there's questions there at the running back position and I know they want to be effective there. So I think uh, it's going to be interesting how they approach that position in the off season. I've got to take, I want to test with you guys and maybe it's, it's not even a hot. I want to hear from Nathan. I feel like we've all been talking too much. I feel like it's I Nathan. Don't want to hear from Nathan. In. Well, I do have one question that you could ask Waldron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from him. Uh, you know, what does he think? Like which quarter can you win a football game in? Is it the first quarter? Or God damn it. <laughs> second quarter? No. So actually I have, I have a serious one though. Um, and I don't know, you're smarter than me, so you could probably figure, to put this, figure out how to put this in a question. But 
Um, we were talking about like similarities and differences between the Rams offenses and the, and the Seahawks and like, he's never had somebody like DK. Right. Um, the, the, I mean, Watkins kind of, and they didn't really um, seem to maximize him. And they, I think they only had him for a year. So it'd be kind of interesting to see. I mean, I think you'll probably get just kind of a, he's amazing. You know, you figure out a way to use a guy like that answer, but I'm, I'm interested to kind of see what he thinks about having a guy like that on his team now. So. I, I agree. And I also think, I mean, you can't, overstate how different Russell is than most guys. I mean, when, when so much of what makes Russ special is stuff you can't game plan for, it's all the off script stuff. And I think to Brian Schottenheimer's credit, they practiced the off script off schedule stuff about as much as you could to where when Russ was moving any which way, Tyler Lockett happened to be there. DK Metcalf happened to be there. There was an outlet there. I, I do think they practiced that kind of controlled chaos to the best of their ability but there's no way to build that into a framework of the, of the offense to, you know, to where that adds a layer of challenge to any offensive coordinator's job, because you always want that to be the additive to where, man, we have this guy, when things break down, he's going to still light it up and, and say, do all these different things you can't coach. And you're sitting up in the booth thinking you made a great play call. Everyone thinks it was a great play call, but that's just Russ being Russ. But when you make a good play call and there is something that's short or intermediate and on time and, and different layers to it. And you have to notice things at the line of scrimmage and make different checks and reads and whatever. I mean, is Russ going to be able to operate in that? And I think we've all seen enough to believe that he can, but you still have to get him to do that. And um, you know, I think that's why to just to add to your question where DK is so unique um, Russ is very much in that same uh, conversation just in a much greater capacity, obviously being the quarterback. Is Shane Waldron the, the most qualified offensive coordinator in Russell Wilson's career and, and qualified is probably the wrong adjective because obviously Daryl Bevel and Shea, Brian Schottenheimer have been OCs in their past. And so they've played called plays and that kind of thing. Maybe is is he the most does he have the most upside of of any oc that they've had and and i'll go out there and say i think he does like daryl bevel for me was always a pretty tepid you know uh, play caller and and uh identity i think brian schottenheimer fantastic we've talked about it great man great leader uh i think did some great things in developing uh russell and and curbing some of his negative tendencies like the whirling dervish you know spin outs and and some of those things but he hadn't had a particularly exciting career of calling plays and as of now i don't know that he has a role anywhere else there has not been a lot of from being a head coach candidate to i don't know that he's gonna necessarily even have his his name called this offseason so is is there anyone else well i think the way i would answer that is is you can't say he's the most qualified because he hasn't done the job yet. Yeah. But you think you, you could say you can make a really strong case that he's got the highest ceiling or the most intrigue. Um, I think there are really real reasons to be excited about this guy. Again, the layer, the, 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 what Pete, like 
the potential handcuffs that Pete puts on the offense is always this X factor to where you don't really know exactly who's in charge, who's to blame, what's this guy actually going to be, you know, able to, to do and accomplish is, you know, his own genius going to be diluted by, you know, the framework that Pete makes him fit things into. Um, but, you know, so however you feel about that, that's how you're going to feel about that. And there's no way anyone's going to change your mind for the next seven months. But um, again, and I, and I said this before, I do think there's, there's great upside with this guy. Um, and I think Seahawks fans who are excited to hear that Russell Wilson was a part uh, or wanted to be a part of the hiring process, the fact that it took this long, I think they should, they should feel good about um, the fact that he most likely signed off on this which is important because getting, you know, whatever Pete says about running the football more and running it more effectively, getting him back to the Russell Wilson that we're used to seeing is priority number one offensively. And there's not even a close second. They're just not going to win games with him playing and get where they want to go with him playing the way he was playing over the last eight games of the season. And in that, you know, playoff game, um, improving the offensive line, an absolutely mandatory thing, right? So you can talk personnel, but with just this higher, you know, you pick your, you pick your route of how you want to feel about it, but, you know, I think it's an exciting one. That is the voice of Joe Fan uh, at Joe Fan on Twitter, uh, NBC Sports Northwest. Joe, uh, before we let you go here, um, anything that you think this does from a priority personnel perspective for how they approach the offseason, knowing how the Rams' offense is constructed, knowing the types of players that they go, are, are there? You know, one of the things that comes to mind for me is Robert Wood's role, especially in the run game, how many end arounds he ran and rushing yards he counted for. Who's the guy? DK Metcalf is great, but he's not necessarily the guy you want turning a corner on an end around. Um, that, I think, is that something you look at? I think we all, we all, in terms of the five of us, would, would largely agree on what the priorities are personnel wise. I think every possible free agent dollar and draft pick that you can allocate to the offensive line has to be done. I mean, you, you just quite simply can't get whooped that badly at the point of attack in a playoff game, especially against a division rival. You have to play twice here. I mean, you have to essentially build your roster to beat your division rivals. And the Seahawks got really lucky this year. They didn't see Nick Bosa once. They didn't see Chandler Jones once, and they got embarrassed in the playoffs by a division rival. So you hope that Shane Waldron comes in and says, that's not okay. This has to be done. And he bangs and, you know, stands on the table and says, this has got to happen. I think you, you mentioned the third wide receiver. They need a third wide receiver. That's much closer to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett than he is David Moore. If we're on this spectrum of receivers, um, because I think you saw in, in Los Angeles that having the variety of weapons is so crucial. Um, and I think even like a Josh Reynolds and a Van Jefferson are, are two guys that I think are, um, are, uh, would be a step up from, from what David Moore and, and Freddie Swain were uh, for the Seahawks last year. So that's another priority. Um, you either have to find a new tight end or you've got to hope and plan on Will Disley and Coley Parkinson being um, very integral roles or playing integral, very integral roles in your offense next year. I mean, you know, you look at the collective tight end stats, they were okay, I guess, because there was, you know, three different guys at all like 200 yards a piece, but um, none of the three really felt like a down to down weapon to where you would say that about Will Disley in the prior two years before getting hurt. So, um, you know, I think 
you hope that he comes in and sees those priorities maybe as the same way we do, uh, or at least I do. And, um, and, and really pushes for, Hey, you brought me here. You want me to do all these different things. You've got to give me the personnel and the resources in order to accomplish those things. Cause it's a player's league. You can't win with an offensive line. That's going to get beat more than 50% of the time. You can't win with, um, you know, defense is only having to worry about two pass catchers in the passing game, no matter how good they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where you hope things might not necessarily change in terms of what the priorities are, but just maybe him coming in and emphasizing what those priorities are. Awesome. Joe, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this more with you. We'll get on the course and uh, uh, hit some golf balls in the rain one of these days. So uh, thank you for coming on last second and joining. Appreciate that. And uh, for folks that haven't already, please follow him at Joe underscore fan on Twitter. Uh, good to see you, dude. Hey, good to see you guys. I appreciate the invite. Fun to talk ball as always. Look forward to chatting this offseason. Evan, Nathan, Nathan, you asked for it today on Twitter. I saw it. You said, I think it'd be a good idea if the Seahawks hired an OC and they decide, you know what? Nathan said, <laughs> I'll tell you what, team. I'll get you, I'll get you plugged in with my sources so you can uh, get the. <laughs> I need to, man. On for real. Yeah. For real. You know what's crazy about this industry? It's like, I'm just going to, this is going to be like my quick riff on tonight. Yeah. It's like, I, I had gotten word that this potentially was the thing and like you just don't want to be the guy that throws stuff against the wall but you know like i'm fighting against the clock and Schefter's gonna have it and then Schefter has it and you're like should i have just gone with it should i have just said i think this is what's gonna happen and then like if you're right that's awesome but if you're wrong you know what i mean it's like what is i don't know i'm like in I, my I head know. i'm like should i have just rolled with what i had not knowing for certain care. it was going to be that. It depends on what your goal is, Joe. If you want right. to be the, the most successful uh, reporter, you just put shit out there. Like, <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Uh, if you want to be, you know, good at your job, then you, you validate the sort. You validate. It's like I was telling this funny. I was telling my roommate it came out and I was like, bro. I told you, he's like, you told me that. And I was like, I know no one cares now that I, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? I can tell you guys. We totally believe you. And it counts for nothing. So I'll put a gold star on my wall or something. It'll mean something to me. But anyway, but hey, I appreciate Joe, you guys having me. I'm just rambling on. But Adam's not the one that's here. It's you. So yeah, you don't have to be first. Adam there still go. get the limelight. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, take yeah. that, Adam. I'm you sure he's going to lose sleep tonight over that. And that's, that's good right. for him. That's right. All right. Thank you, Joe. Good to see you, dude. Thanks Thanks for your work this season, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Take it easy. See ya. For the record. Oops. Those out. What'd he say? So one more question before we kind of wrap up, unless you guys have other things. One aspect of this that that, uh, we hadn't talked about is the Rams, two things related to it. The Rams have now lost a fair amount of coaching staff right Brandon Staley's gone now there's well, like six names I, I'm gonna pull it up right now okay you pull it up but why that, right? that's that's an interesting piece and then okay he has to know everything about how the Rams approached the Seahawks offense and how they scouted the Seahawks offense and he's gonna be able to bring that in that's what I find so to how and he's going to know anything about how they play defense in general and how to attack. So I think those are two things people may be not thinking about that are added bonuses. <clears throat> okay. 
the Rams have lost six staff members to other teams this offseason. And I say staff members because some of them are personnel front office related, so not coaches. But you have Brandon Staley, who is now Chargers head coach. You have Brad Holmes, who is Detroit's GM. Shane Waldron, Seattle's OC. Ray Agnew, Agnew, Detroit assistant GM. Joe Barry, Chargers linebackers coach. And then Aubrey Pleasant, Detroit defensive backs coach. You want to go back to 2020? There's two more. John, John Fassel, Fossil, Dallas special teams. Then Jed Fish, New England quarterbacks coach. That's eight personnel staff members, or sorry, eight staff members in, in two years. That's, that's quite the plucking going on. And the Niners haven't lost, I don't think it's many, but they lost their DC. They, what was, uh, and he took, um, was it their passing game coordinator or their run game coordinator? Passing game. Passing, passing game. So they, they've had a little brain drain on, on that side too. Well, the Jed Fish name was something that's interesting because he is one connection to the Seahawks. Jed Fish actually, for people that don't remember, um, was with the Seahawks in 2010 um, as their quarterback's coach under Pete Carroll um, and then went on to uh, Miami to coach. And so it's possible that Pete got some inside information from Jed Fish about Waldron and that was an additional thing that, that helps. But how much do you guys think that this is going to affect the Rams next year? Like all of the changes on their coaching staff. We've given McVay a lot of credit for like hiring Staley and, and some of the coach. I mean, obviously he's done an amazing job filling out a coaching staff because the NFL went and hired like all of them away. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, can he repeat that? You know, I mean, it seems like he is good at that. So maybe it won't, be that big of a deal and maybe it'll be an opportunity for him to get some fresh blood and to keep you know innovating and and staying ahead of it um but yeah i mean it seems like it would be really easy for this to just kind of uh crumble under him a little bit too like that's just a ton of people that have been involved in really good offenses and defenses that are now gone so yeah you could almost almost claim that the rams are irrelevant oh Brian, I knew you were going to do it. You fucker. I knew it. I, I knew you were going to do it. I, I mean, knew it. we got We got to wait. Like, what did I say? They're going to lose. They're going to lose in the playoffs. They did. They're going to lose their defensive coordinator. They did. I, I think they have no cap space. They don't. They're stuck with Jared Goff. They are. And, yeah. and I think that they're, Look, the last thing is is that I think that their left tackle is going to retire. We'll see what happens with Whitworth, but that happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Rams are in. I think the Rams are in tough a tough position. I would not want to be the Rams. The Rams are the least team I'm worried about in the NFC West. It, go, it goes Niners, then Cardinals, then Rams. It's not even close for me. The Rams, the Rams are fucked with Jared Goff. Their, their ceiling is only as high as he can take them. And he's there through a minimum of 2023. That's just the reality. Yeah. I love these. Oh, they're going to find a creative way to trade golf stories. Oh, give me a fucking break. Yeah. What, what the contract for one second, someone would have to take on a $34 million contract in a trade or they have to spend $60 million on their cap to get rid of him. Now, 
if they were to, the only situation I could see this happening is if the Rams were willing to like give I give a draft pick. Like, I know that was done with Osweiler, but who can take on if he had a contract for seventeen million? I think it's possible. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. Who's going to take on that contract and suppress cap at thirty four million? I don't think that they can trade him. I think no, their one option is that they could decide to not play him. I saw there be. I tweeted this before the Seahawks Rams playoff game. I thought all of the writers missed it, and I'm so happy to see these stories coming out from the GM now. I mean, Jets could make it work. Yeah, but why? They have the second overall pick. They have nobody. And Darnold, who's probably better than Goff. I mean, maybe if you broke all of his fingers, you'd want Goff. I mean, maybe, maybe then. But anyway, look, I. I am I am interested in and people talk about oh this the 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 team picked up a player from an imposing team and they're gonna give them the whole playbook. That's a horseshit. <laughs> That's just not real. Uh like enough coaches have debunked that. But this guy has been in McVeigh's ear for years and has been in all those meeting rooms, and they've been absolutely dissecting the Seahawks and We've all talked about the one team in this division that have consistent has consistently beat the Seahawks has been the Rams. Good. Let's let, I mean, that that's gotta be helpful and he's got to have spent a ton of time looking at this team. So I'm really curious about it. I do think that it adds a little bit more fuel to the John Ross fire. I, I think John Ross like absolutely would be a perfect guy coming around the edge um, like they had for Robert Woods. Um, so I'm just going to keep beating that drum. I just learned that Waldron is from Portland, Oregon. He is. So, so I just want to, so I just want to say this hire is awful, catastrophic oh. and will absolutely have a negative outcome. This was a horrible hire. We all hated it the entire time. Portland is the jewel of the Northwest. Oh, that's a take. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, I love Seattle for a lot of reasons, but I mean, the Oregon coast way better than the Washington coast. Way better. The mountains are closer, uh, like real legit mountains. Yeah, but they're the home of the ducks. Oh, yeah. Who cares? I'm a Husky fan, so I don't really care. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm more of a Husky fan than you are. Lying meter, pants on fire. No, Evan, I've always been a Huskies fan. Evan, do you know where the University of Oregon is? Not in Portland. <laughs> Oh, no. I have no idea where it is. No. I have no idea where it is. Okay, I'll just let you know. I mean, technically, Portland is not the home of the ducks. They they have a large duck population. Oh, di- oh, I see what you're saying. Got it. <laughs> By the way, Joe, what he was about to say before he got so rudely cut off is that uh, chocolate chip cookies are the best, Evan. Yeah. Well, he's incorrect, so... I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Um, all right, fellas. Anything else on this before we uh, we wrap it up for the night? I hope oh. they have a better plan to stop Aaron Donald until we get around him. There's no plan to stop Aaron. Well, at least they have some sort of strategy, not just drop back and hope Mike you potty with sure. a back and block him. Well, Kyle Shanahan had a plan to stop Aaron Donald, and it was a horizontal like passing game. Like Jimmy Garoppolo never threw it more than five yards down the field. Just yeah, a reminder. That's that, a plan, though. Yeah, you're right. Just a reminder that the Seahawks still lost to the Rams in the wild card game, and Aaron Donald missed an entire half of play. Oh, oh yeah, they scored like five. three points in that half, right? 
Yeah. They, they had, I think, nine yards in that whole quarter. <sighs> Not great. Uh, well, so you just reminded me of one last thing I'll say. Um, I, and I can see people talking about already that, you know, the, the Rams do this horizontal thing. They're not a big like downfield passing attack. And like, even just setting aside how, you know, different Jared Goff and Russell Wilson are. And, you know, I hope to God Shane Waldron is smart enough to realize that he can construct his offense a little differently with, with Russell back there. Um, you know, there's been all this attention paid to cover two and oh and Russ is too scared to sh- throw short which definitely isn't true or you know he's missing some of these intermediate things he can't see him he won't throw it yada yada whatever you know if you go back and look at um like Russell's depth of target and where he was throwing the ball um from the last couple bevel years to the first couple shoddy years there was a a drastic change in how often he targeted the intermediate middle part of the field right which is where he's being rightly criticized for not throwing uh much this year um so you know again like joe was saying you know if you want to be pessimistic about this if you want to hate it doesn't matter right you're gonna hate it doesn't you know you'll you'll figure out your own reasons but um i think there is reason to hope that with a new offensive coordinator a new approach russell wilson is adaptable i mean he still has some limitations right but um I, I'm not necessarily just thinking that he has to run in a completely different offense or those horizontals, the, the, the crossers and all that stuff isn't going to be as effective because Russell typically hasn't done that in the past. I think that there's reason to think that Russell can change and adapt with his offensive coordinator. And we've seen him do that uh, in, you know, in the past. I have yeah. one other really important announcement. Aaron, Dodd, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are not playing in the Super Bowl. Aww. Such a shame. Y'all are crazy if you think that Tom Brady in the Super Bowl is a better outcome there, but uh, topic for a different Objectively, pod, the better outcome. I've seen Brady win so many Super Bowls, it won't bother me. This is another one. Who gives a fuck? Come like, on. Uh, you know, in Tampa Bay, like... You guys don't want the Chiefs to win, which I'm a little surprised by. I am highly jealous of the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It, it, it comes from... It comes from a deep place of deep-rooted jealousy and anger and madness and me being upset and tormented as a fan. Well, I think 30 teams or 31 teams are jealous of the Chiefs. They're yes. by I far not. I cannot wait to hear Evan, uh, after the first bad offensive game for the Seahawks, talk shit about how like Andy Reid's the only good offensive coach and and they made a mistake picking a McVay guy McVay's shit and it's it's, it's you'll never hear me talk negatively about Sean McGenius never (laughs) no it's they'll just say McVay's the only genius this guy's a fraud yeah I've only been praising Sean McVay yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see um all right fellas uh we're due for a pod tomorrow night at this point i don't think we probably will do that but we'll we'll see we'll definitely start doing our off-season pods and i will say guys last year i thought that the most critical thing for them to do in the off-season was to not to, to cut justin Britt was one of the big things we talked about that a lot i didn't think they'd do it and they did it this year it was firing brian schottenheimer getting a new oc I didn't think they'd do it. They did it. And now they went through a pretty good process. I would say if the offseason ended today, my grade for the Seahawks is A. 
<laughs> so probably going to only go downhill from here, but it's a really strong start to the offseason. And, and I'm only partially joking because this team was a good offensive coordinator that fused well with the coach away from being legitimate contenders last year or this year, technically. Um, so I think this is, this is interesting. It's certainly an interesting start. And we're going to go into the offseason. We're going to talk to all of you about each position group, not only on the Seahawks, but what free agents are available, what draft picks are there. We're going to break it all down for you. And uh, as Jeff said, senior bowls happening soon. Uh, there'll be a lot, a lot to, to figure out there. Seahawks, Mr. Nagy down there is a guy that, that is in John Schneider's ear all the time. So if you're not paying attention to the senior bowl, you should, because the Seahawks draft pick is more than likely playing in that game. All right. Uh, if you haven't already join over at patreon.com slash uh, the hot stove league, uh, conversations about the offseason are, are hot and heavy there already. Please click subscribe and click the little bell uh, to get notified when we go live or upload a new video. And we will be back with uh, a ton of new content uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, until we see you next, uh, have a great night and, and go Hawks.